Our call to worship this morning is from the prophet Isaiah. Turn to me and be saved, all the ends of the earth, for I am God and there is no other. By myself I have sworn, from my mouth has gone out in righteousness a word that shall not return. To me every knee shall bow, every tongue shall swear allegiance. Only in the Lord it shall be said of me, our righteousness and strength. To him shall come and be ashamed all who were incensed against him. In the Lord, all the offspring of Israel shall be justified and shall glory. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we come to worship you this morning in response to your call to offer you the thanks and praise of which you alone are worthy. Help us, Lord. Calm our fears Lift up our hearts to you in love. Help us to remember that you are the sole good, beauty, and truth that our hearts are made to desire. For whom have we in heaven but you? Help us to desire you and your kingdom above all else, for we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's turn to hymn number 40, God is our refuge and our strength.
Please be seated and pray with me the prayer of confession printed in the bulletin. Incline your ear, O Lord, and answer us, for we are poor and needy. Preserve us, O God, and deliver us, for we trust in you. Be gracious to us, O Lord, for to you we cry all the day. You, O Lord, are good and forgiving, abounding in steadfast love to all who call upon you. Give ear, O Lord, to our prayer. Listen to our plea for grace. For you are great, and you have done wondrous things in our Lord Jesus Christ, overthrowing the powers of sin, death, and the devil through the death and resurrection of your Son. Have mercy upon us, most merciful Father, and be gracious to us, forgiving all our sins. Sake, Teach us your way, O Lord, that we may walk in your truth. Unite our hearts by the grace of your Holy Spirit to fear your name, for we pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Please stand for the assurance of pardon which comes from Romans chapter 8. Therefore, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Brothers and sisters in Christ, be assured that your sins are indeed forgiven because of Christ and therefore we need no longer fear God's condemnation. And let us say, Praise be to God. Our call to grateful obedience again comes from Romans chapter 12. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. A sober assessment of ourselves recognizes that everything we are and everything we have, we owe to God. It also includes awareness that an essential part of our identity is our interdependence with other members of Christ's body. So there's a sense in which we exist in each other. Therefore, to think more highly of ourselves than we, ought, than we ought is, in essence, to try to find ourselves or complete ourselves by our own efforts, in effect, outside of 
or independent of Christ. And this is actually an impoverished view of ourselves. For we cannot improve on the richness and the glory of our identity in Christ. As the psalmist says, God has crowned us with steadfast love and mercy. So we are exalted not by our efforts or our talents, but by his love. So let us think of ourselves in terms of his love and provision for us, for this is God's will for you in Christ. And let us say, Amen. We turn next to him, 266. Please be seated, and please join with me uh, as we uh, come before the Lord and ask for his intercession. Heavenly Father, we cannot even begin to number ourselves as humanity, but you know the hairs of each one of our heads, and so we come to you and ask for your people around the world 
that you would protect your sheep who face temptation or persecution. And we ask also that you would open your arms and that many more would come to be saved. Father, we appeal to you for our civil rulers, for President Biden and Vice President Harris, for Chief Justice Roberts and the other members of the Supreme Court, for our senators and representatives, Debbie Stabenow, Gary Peters, Lisa McLean, John James, Haley Stevens, Rashida Tlaib, Shri Tenadar, for our Governor Whitmer and Lieutenant Governor Gilchrist, for all of Michigan's state senators and representatives. We ask that you would cause them to govern with justice, mercy, and godliness. We ask that they would be given your wisdom and not rely on their own. We ask that you would improve our state and our nation in your wisdom, using both leaders who know you and those who do not, to accomplish your holy will. And we ask that you would preserve our liberties, especially our freedom to preach and teach about you, to openly gather in your name, and to publicly worship you. For the Church Universal, we ask that you would continue to be the shepherd of your sheep around the world. Despite our differences, we pray that your one, true, clear gospel would continue to be proclaimed and believed among all nations. We further pray that you would thwart those who would attack it or who would water it down to align with socially popular human wisdom. We especially pray for your protection and strengthening of our persecuted brothers and sisters around the world especially those in places like Burma, China, Eritrea, India, Iran, Nigeria, North Korea, Pakistan, Russia, Saudi Arabia, Syria, and Vietnam. For missions around the world, we pray that you would continue to strengthen your missionaries around the world and at home. Please continue to provide for their spiritual encouragement, and for their financial support. And for those of us who have not been called to that particular mission field in the same way, please use us to encourage and support them and participate in your great commission. For our congregation, from our very beginning, the name Providence has acknowledged your lordship over this congregation. We ask that you would continue to provide for all of our needs, uh, those we know and those we don't even know yet. We pray for our pastor and elders and deacons and trustees and teachers of Christian education. Lord, please give them the energy and the wisdom to fill their roles in a godly and effective manner. And we pray for all of us, from oldest to youngest, that you would make us good and faithful members of the Providence family, that you would feed and nurture us here, and that you would give us an insatiable hunger to know you better all our lives. We pray for various congregations in the OPC, and in particular today, lift up Living Hope OPC in Bemisville, Ontario, with Pastor Doug Bilsma and his wife, Christy. We pray for churches who are experiencing tension within their congregation or conflict with other congregations, for churches who are struggling to find leaders or struggling financially. As you have brought these congregations together, we pray that you would sustain them. We also lay before you the upcoming Presbytery meeting on uh, April 29th and ask that you would be Lord of its proceedings and that your holy will would be done there. For the families of our congregation, for all of us, you know our needs, even those which are hidden from those around us and even the ones that we are personally unaware of. We ask you to provide exactly what each of us needs 
at exactly the time it is needed. And we particularly lift up these friends and family members who need you now. We pray for Julie and Frida and Luca, for Eduardo and Shirley, for Jeff and Linda, for Bob and Fawn, for Caroline, Becky, Bob, Angie, Tom, Karen, Phil, Dominic, Gladys, and Tammy and her family. We cling to your promises, and we anticipate the day when each of us will be made perfect, when we will receive our crown of glory and enjoy unbroken fellowship with you. Finally, Lord, we pray for those that we know and love who do not know you. For those who do not know you, we pray that you would give us the opportunity and the boldness to share your gospel with them. For those who know you but despise your gospel, may your spirit be at work in them. We beg that you would intervene in the lives of these friends and relatives of ours to their eternal salvation, our own great joy, and to your eternal glory. We pray all these things in the name of Christ Jesus, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Would the ushers please come forward to collect the offering. Please be seated. 
And please also join with me as we pray for God's illumination on our reading of his word this morning. Oh, Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you have given us the words of eternal life. Um, and we know also that it is you who grants understanding of these things. We pray now, send your spirit to be with us, to give us ears to hear, to open our hearts and minds to what you would teach us, that we may um, be blessed by you and you may be glorified um, in us becoming more like you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so um, a couple of quick notes here. Um, as you know, uh, whenever we have uh, a, a guest uh, leader, there's usually a few things that he uh, prefers to do in a different way. So one of those is be prepared after the sermon today uh, to sing an extra song that is not printed in the bulletin. Um, but also, um, uh, Pastor Gonzalez prefers to uh, read the, uh, the sermon text himself immediately prior to the sermon. So what you have listed as the Old Testament reading is not the Old Testament reading. It is the sermon text. Uh, the Old Testament reading will be the section that immediately precedes it. Uh, so our Old Testament reading is actually from Deuteronomy 30, uh, and that'll be ch- uh, verses 11. Is that where I'm starting? Sorry. All right. So from verse 11 to the end of the chapter, and then it will pick up uh, during the sermon itself. So Deuteronomy 30, verse 11 uh, to verse 20. For this commandment that I command to you today is not too hard for you, neither is it far off, It is not in heaven that you should say, who will ascend to heaven for us and bring it to us that we may hear it and do it. Neither is it beyond the sea that you should say, who will go over the sea for us and bring it to us that we may hear it and do it. But the word is very near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart so that you can do it. See, I have set before you today life and good, death and evil. If you obey the commandments of the Lord your God that I command you today, by loving the Lord your God, by walking in his ways, and by keeping his commandments and his statutes and his rules, then you shall live and multiply, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land that you are entering to take possession of it. But if your heart turns away, you will not hear but are drawn away to other gods, to worship other gods and serve them. I declare to you today that you shall surely perish. You shall not live long in the land that you are going over the Jordan to enter and possess. I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curse. Therefore, choose life that you and your offspring may live, loving the Lord your God, obeying his voice and holding fast to him, for he is your life and length of days that you may dwell in the land that the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give them. Our Psalter response is from Psalm 27. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? When evildoers assail me to eat up my flesh, my adversaries and foes, it is they who stumble and fall. Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war rises against me, they 
One thing I have asked of the Lord that I will seek after. For he will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble. And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me, and I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. Our epistle reading this morning comes from First Peter, chapter two. Verses 9 through 12. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. Finally, our gospel reading this morning comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 14. Verses 1 through 14. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house there are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am you may, also, may be also. And you know the way to where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is enough for us. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long, and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father, And the Father is in me, or else believe on account of the works themselves. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these he will do, because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. The word of the Lord.
Good morning. Oh, it's always a delight to be able to worship the Lord together uh, with you and uh, to be able to bring God's word uh, to all of us uh, this morning. I, I don't know how often you think about this, but, um, but I think it's important for us to remember and to think about this often that our only hope before a righteous and holy God and Father is that he would look upon his son and pardon us. That thought ought to resonate through our minds and our hearts today, tomorrow morning when you wake up, in fact, every day of our life. In fact, that really forms a powerful foundation to who our identity is, that we are identified in Christ, who is God's son. What a joy it is to know him and to worship him. Let me invite you now to turn in your Bibles to Deuteronomy chapter 31, Deuteronomy chapter 31. And let me also ask you, if you've not done so already, turn in your hymnal to 699, 699. I'll mention that uh, later, what we'll be doing with that. But if you'll have your hymnal open at 699, lay that aside, but then also to Deuteronomy chapter 31 out of the Old Testament. While you're turning there, all of us in this room have, we share something in common with each other. Each of us here is uncertain about our own future. If you are a new parent, for example, you wonder what that first year of parenting will be like. (laughs) If you are starting a new job after a year, you might be wondering, will I still like my boss? (laughs) Or, um, <clears throat> or if you become unemployed in 2023 for some reason, what happens when my savings runs out, if I have any savings? Will I have enough money put away for retirement? Will the chemotherapy that I'm receiving send my cancer into remission? Or will 2023 be my last year? With uncertainty, there's always a measure of human fear when facing the future. Israel also faced the uncertainties as they stood overlooking the Jordan River into the promised land. For Moses, his life would come to an end on Mount Nebo. He was told this by the Lord because he could not go into the promised land because he broke faith with the Lord. And yet, He was told to go to Mount Nebo, where he would die. Imagine being told to go to your vacation spot where you would die there. And then you got Joshua. Joshua, in our text, faced many uncertainties too. He would have to conquer and possess the land of the Canaanite nations. All of them. Imagine... Having that future, would anyone want that future before them? And this new generation, the ones that buried their parents in the wilderness, well, they would be the ones who would be entering the land flowing with milk and honey, but not without much war and the cost of the lives of their young men. And so I wonder this morning, can you just for a moment feel their apprehension and fear? as they face the future. 
Maybe it reminds you of your own. If you are as human as they, you need this passage more than ever. We, like Israel, need confidence in something that won't disappoint us when we face the uncertainties of our own future. Verse 1 of Deuteronomy chapter 31. So Moses continued to speak these words to all Israel. And he said to them, I am 120 years old today. I am no longer able to go out and come in. The Lord has said to me, you shall not go over this Jordan. The Lord your God himself will go over before you. He will destroy these nations before you so that you shall dispossess them. And Joshua will go over at your head as the Lord has spoken. And the Lord will do to them as he did to Sihon and Og, the kings of the Amorites, and to their land when he destroyed them. And the Lord will give them over to you, and you shall do to them according to the whole commandment that I have commanded you. Be strong and courageous. Do not fear or be in dread of them, for it is the Lord your God who goes with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Then Moses summoned Joshua and said to him in the sight of all Israel, Be strong and courageous, for you shall go with this people into the land that the Lord has sworn to their fathers to give them, and you shall put them in possession of it. It is the Lord who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. Then Moses wrote this law and gave it to the priests, the sons of Levi, who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, and to all the elders of Israel. And Moses commanded them, At the end of every seven years, at the set time in the year of release, at the Feast of Booths, when all Israel comes to appear before the Lord your God at the place that he will choose, you shall read this law before all Israel in their hearing. Assemble the people, men, women, and little ones, and the sojourner within your towns that they may hear and learn to fear the Lord your God. And be careful to do all the words of this law. And that their children, who have not known it, may hear and learn to fear the Lord your God, as long as you live in the land that you are going over the Jordan to possess. Let's pray together. Would you join me in prayer? Holy Spirit, the very word that you breathed out is a lamp and light to our life. It is living. It's active. It is our very life. It is firmly fixed in the heavens and always accomplishes its purposes. It never returns void. And so we ask that you might breathe into us an understanding of our passage and its application to us here at Providence Church. May it discern the thoughts and the intentions of our heart. Help us to trust and obey your word this morning and in the days to follow. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Americans were glued to their television sets on December 21st, 
as the Ukrainian President Zelensky delivered an impassioned speech before a joint Congress. His courage and strength had won the hearts of people all around the world, including the hearts of his own people in Ukraine, and have earned him Time's Person of the Year. Equally impressive was the fact that he was on the eastern front lines with his soldiers the day before he addressed Congress. In his speech before Congress, he said these words, In two days we will celebrate Christmas, maybe candlelit, not because it's more romantic, no, but because there will not be, there will be, no electricity. Millions won't have neither heating nor running water. To draw strength and courage for the Ukrainian people, Zelensky quotes President Franklin Roosevelt with these words. The American people in their righteous might will win through to absolute victory. Well, as great as this righteous might was that led to the defeat of the Axis powers in World War II, and as great as Ukraine's righteous might is in defeating the Kremlin's regime, it is infinitesimally small compared to the righteous might Israel had and you and I need as we face the uncertainties of our own future. Our righteous might, dear friends, is not found in the strength of the legs of men, nor in positive outcome thinking. It is found in Yahweh alone. He is the Holy One of Israel. He is the mighty El Shaddai. At his bidding, the stars and the galaxies move in their courses. At his bidding, the hearts of his enemies melt like wax. The psalmist sings, Who in the skies can be compared to the Lord? Who among the heavenly beings is like the Lord? Our passage this morning out of Deuteronomy 31 reminds us that no one, not you, not me, no one can comprehend the greatness of Yahweh. But it also, at the same time, reminds us that he must be our only source of confidence when facing the uncertainties of our own future, whatever those might bring our way. It was true for Israel, and it must be true for every single one of us today as we face the uncertainties of our future unafraid. Yahweh says to Israel and to us these words. You've heard them before. They're familiar to you. Be strong and courageous. You've heard that in Joshua as well. Be strong and courageous. Do not fear or be in dread of them. I wonder if your mind is taken back to, or taken ahead actually, to Ephesians chapter 6, where the Apostle Paul says, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of of his might. For Israel, it would be before the Canaanite nations. For you and me, today, in real time, real life, well, Paul says it best. For our battle is not against flesh and blood, 
but against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. Some of you, perhaps recently, have felt that. You have experienced that darkness of evil temptations and threats upon your heart, upon your affections, upon your life, your your eyes. Some of you may have experienced and know exactly what that's like. Others may not have known that. Now, the grammar that's used, a little grammar lesson here because it's important. The grammar that's used with be strong and courageous is different than the grammar used with do not fear or be in dread of them. They, they both sound like imperatives or commands, if you will. But in fact, only be strong and courageous is in the imperative. That's the only command in the Hebrew tense, in the verb tense. It is the command to obey. Do not fear or be in dread is actually a statement of fact. Read literally, it is, you will not ever fear or be in dread. It's an imperfect verb that's used if you know a little bit about Hebrew verbs. So what does this little grammar lesson do for us? What does it mean for us in real life? When we're strong and courageous in Yahweh, when we've made up our minds and our hearts and our resolve to be strong and courageous in him, there will never be a reason for fear or dismay to fill our thoughts. They get crowded out. Never a reason, never a circumstance, neither death nor life, nor things present nor things to come, that we should ever, ever be afraid. Now, I can almost hear some of you say, uh, yeah, well, that sounds good, but you don't know my situation, right? Plus, I'm human. I'm an emotional creature. (laughs) I can't imagine Yahweh, the Lord of the universe, saying, oh, that's right, I forgot about that. I can't imagine the Lord ever saying that. You know, listen, as I looked at this passage and studied it and prepared a message on it, I struggled with the same things. I'm in the same boat that you folks may be as well. But obedience, dear friends, is required in spite of how we feel about a matter. Obedience is required in spite of feelings. Yahweh is telling us that when we choose to be strong and courageous in him, fear is replaced by confidence in his righteous might, in the righteous might, not of ourselves, but of Yahweh alone. I don't know, as you were hearing this passage read, whether or not certain things really jumped out at you and just amazed you. I I hope it did. But this passage is really amazing in several ways. It shows just how great Yahweh is. He tells Israel that when they battle the Canaanite nations, this is before they actually go into battle, that that as they battle the Canaanite nations, these nations will be destroyed right in front of their eyes. We're told that in verse 3 of our passage. Although the battle must happen, the fight, it must happen in real time, 
It is as good as done. And Israel is to be confident in that fact. That's one amazing thing that we find in this passage. There's something else that's amazing in this passage that we find. It also shows just how much Israel needed him. (laughs) Moment by moment. Day by day. Hour by hour. Israel still had to march forward toward the enemy. Still had to go into battle. They still had to don their sword and their shield and whatever other weapons they had. They still had to march right before the enemy. They still had to fight in spite of how they felt about the matter. You don't realize how much you need the Lord until you're in the heat of battle. But it's always in the battle where confidence is forged. If you're not paying attention and giving some thought to what the Lord might be teaching you in the battle that you are experiencing, whether it's later today or this week, you are missing out on the development of your confidence in the Lord to see you through. And here's the point, right in our passage here. Right in front of their eyes, they would see Yahweh's covenant promises being carried out. Right before them, right in front of them. Israel's strength and courage would lie in the disposition of their minds during the battle. And there's the real point. It's how they thought about the matter as they were engaged in it, as they were engaged in battle. Though they would be engaged physically with the enemy, their minds would not be focused on the enemy, whose threatening presence could undermine their confidence. Instead, they were to fix their minds on Yahweh, who would not fail or forsake them, who promises to go ahead of them no matter what, and then to walk with them right in the very heat of the battle that they are facing. Now, this is all covenant language that we find in the scriptures. But in the same way, whatever we face, whatever you and I face in our future, our strength and courage come from being preoccupied with Yahweh and his covenant promises that he makes to his loved people, you. I'm reminded of Isaiah 26. Perhaps you've memorized this verse. You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. What a powerful verse that is. Recite that when you're taking a shower. Recite that when you're driving on the road, when you're washing dishes, when you're you're doing endless piles of laundry that don't seem to run out. My friends, that's the key for facing the future unafraid. Keeping our minds fixed on Yahweh no matter what comes our way. This is the heart and center of what the Lord is telling his people through Moses and then Joshua. But Yahweh doesn't deal with us in abstracts. No, he he gives us truths to anchor us to his promises. And what are those anchors and what are those promises that he embeds 
confidence through us and enables us to have confidence in him. He anchors us to his covenant promises in his word, friends. In God's word is where you will find everything, yes and amen, in Christ. He's given us his word. We don't have to guess what he wants. He's told us what he wants. He told us what makes what it makes for life in this world as we anticipate being with him for all eternity. Verse 9 of our passage, Deuteronomy 39, tells us that Moses wrote this law down. He wrote this law down. Presumably, the entire book of Deuteronomy was written by Moses, and it was to be read periodically. And according to chapter 32, portions of it were to be sung. Reading God's word, singing God's word, obeying God's word, memorizing God's word, practicing God's word. These are the very disciplines that anchor us to his covenant faithfulness when the uncertainties of our own life hold sway over us. Holding on to his word keeps us stable and firmly in place when the uncertainties drive hard against us. Relying upon those promises. I'm not sure if you've ever experienced this in your life, but if you've ever awakened in the morning when literally all you had were the promises of God to rely on to get you through that day, I don't know if any of you have experienced that. But let me just say that if you have, that is the safest place you can be. When all you have are the promises of God to rely on. Our passage reminds us that Yahweh goes before us. He's conquered all of his and our enemies. That is, he has conquered the very things that would weaken your faith in him. It's not deliverance from the circumstances in life. No, it's not that. But it's deliverance from the effects they can have on your faith. Because you are his. You belong to him. He's continuously walking with us. It's a very active verb that is in this passage. He is walking side by side, daily, moment by moment, walking with us, even in the heat of battle. That's the verb tense expression that's being used here. It's intense. He's walking with us every moment of every hour. We're never left alone. He never leaves us by the wayside. He is not one to pick up like us as a hitchhiker and then drop us off and say, okay, I can only take you this far. You have to make it the rest of the way. No, our God takes us all the way to that great celestial city. No matter what you go through in life, no matter how many turns or how many bumps there are in a road, he is guaranteed to take you there and to get you there safely. He's promised that. His covenant promises are embedded in his word and they leap into our minds. They ought to leap into our hearts where we're reminded, I will be your God and you will be my people forever. It's a good thing to remind yourself when you're facing mounting bills and you wonder whether or not you have enough money to pay for them or you receive news of 
of, uh, that you had never expected with illness or of a loved one dying that you never expected. It's a good thing to remind yourself that God has promised that I will be your God and you will be my people forever. His covenant promise. We need to be feeding ourselves on that in his word, feeding on those covenant promises. My friends, what are you feeding on that promotes fear and dismay in your life? Maybe those are the things that you need to cut out. Those things that are feeding fear, disbelief, discouragement. But when you feed on his word and all you have are his promises, you will find your confidence in him will soar to new heights because you're putting into practice what he commanded you to do and what he also says works in our lives. Fear is replaced when our confidence is put in Yahweh. But he gives us more. He anchors us to his covenant promises in Christ, who is our final mediator. In our passage, we see a progression of leadership from Moses to Joshua. And Moses was a mediator between God and man. So he served in a mediatorial office, as we refer to him too. Moses had completed the work of a prophetic mediatorial person. That is, he was a prophet, a spokesman for God. He was also a mediator between God and man. That is, he had spoken and written the covenant kingdom word of God. He proclaimed it and he explained it. But the royal task of commanding and leading Israel right into the promised land was incomplete. They were looking over the Jordan River into the promised land. You want us to go there? You want us to cross that river and fight those Canaanite nations? You want us to do that? They still had to go over, and they still had to conquer and possess. And so in a dramatic fashion, Moses turns from addressing Israel directly to now turning and addressing the one who would assume this mediatorial leadership. It would be Joshua, or in Hebrew, Yeshua, whose name means Jehovah is salvation. I love that term, that that concept, that idea, Yeshua, Jehovah is salvation. And as you probably know, this leadership would continue through David and then to David's greater son, who would consummate or fulfill Yahweh's covenant promises for his people. And so just as Yeshua of the Old Testament led Israel across the Jordan into the promised land where they would eventually enjoy rest and peace from wandering and warfare, so also Yeshua of the New Testament leads his people into the presence of God and gives them eternal Sabbath rest. That's the hope that we find in the book of Hebrews. Yeshua of the New Testament. It's actually one and the same God of both Testaments, the Lord himself. When you find yourself facing the dark providences of life, none of us can predict when they come. They never come at a convenient time in our life. But when they do come, turn your thoughts to Christ and keep them there. 
Rest in the protective armor that he has already given you as a Christian so that you can stand firm in the evil day. He is your conquering mediator. He has fought for and is fighting for you on a daily basis. He is your mediator. He is your savior. And then finally, we find in this passage that he anchors us to his covenant promises in his full salvation. His full salvation. When Israel gathered, they were to get together regularly. They were to assemble themselves together, men, women, and children, in order to hear Yahweh's law read and to obey it. Much what you are doing right now. Assembling ourselves together, men, women, and children, coming together to hear Yahweh's law so that they might obey and they might learn to fear the Lord. Yahweh made them from all the way from parents to their children to be his precious possession, a kingdom, a priestly people, a holy nation, possessors of the revealed will of Yahweh and full recipients of his gracious covenant promises. Peter reminds us that we're in this privileged position by God's mercy by his grace. Remember earlier I said, may it please God the righteous one to look on his son and pardon us. We are in this relationship with God only because of God's mercy given to us through his son. We don't earn them. We don't earn his promises, his blessings, but he gives them to us. The Lord pours out his blessings so much so that we have no reason to ever fear or be dismayed. The word dismayed in the Hebrew word in Hebrew language also means shattered. <laughs> There's no reason for to fear or to be shattered, to fall apart, because we are his and he is ours. And this applies to our own covenant children as well, and to their children after them. Two weeks ago I was privileged to travel to Iowa where my son and his wife uh, live and they gave birth to their first child, and so I had the privilege of baptizing my, uh, my grandchild. What a, what a great delight that was for me to do so. And it's even more of a delight to know that because of God's covenant promises, he promises to be Nora's God. And the same God for her children after her. What a heritage. What a legacy. What a promise. That Lord fulfills. God puts his spirit, you know this to be the fact, the truth. God puts his spirit in us as a down payment for what is to come. And the spirit is in fulfillment of his covenant promises as foretold by the prophet Ezekiel. All part of covenant language and the covenant of grace. We can be strong and courageous without fear and dismay because Yahweh is our righteous might. He gives us his covenant promises in his word. And he fulfills all of his promises in Christ. So that you and I can stand forgiven because God fulfills his promises in Christ who paid for our sin on the cross. And he makes us full recipients of his covenant promises. He doesn't take us part of the way. He takes us all the way. 
And so as a result, he's not only our source of confidence, but he's also our source of perfect peace to face the future unafraid. It was in 1876. While on vacation, that Frances Havergal caught a cold that led to inflammation of her lungs. She was told that she might die. Her response was this. If I am really going, it is too good to be true. She would continue struggling with her health for the next several years. But when it was apparent that Francis was actually dying, the doctor left the room, and his last words to her were these. Goodbye, I shall not see you again. Then you really think I'm going, doctor? Yes, said the doctor. Today? Probably. Beautiful. Beautiful, said Francis. Too good to be true. Splendid to be so near the gates of heaven. He is so, so good to take me now. After a rush of convulsions, her nurse laid her back on her pillow. When she calmed, she tried to sing, but after one sweet High note, he, Francis, slipped into eternity, into her mediator and redeemer's hand. She lived and she died with the very words she penned before her death. Stayed upon Jehovah, hearts are fully blessed, finding, as he promised, perfect peace and rest. Would you turn now to hymn 699? We will sing this a cappella. Let us reflect just on these words and the truth that are embedded in these words. And I will lead us. Let us begin singing. Like a river glorious is God's perfect peace. Over all victorious in its bright increase. Perfect yet it floweth fuller every day. Perfect yet it groweth deeper all the way. Verse 2. Hidden in the hollow of his blessed hand, never foe can follow, never traitor stand. Not a surge of worry, not a shade of care, Not a blast of hurry, touch the spirit there. Verse 3, every joy or trial falleth from above, traced upon our dial by the Son of Love. We may trust him fully, all for us to do. 
They who trust him holy standing, find him holy true. Let's stand. Stayed upon Jehovah, hearts are fully blessed, finding as he promised perfect peace and rest. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we are reminded in your word that your Son, our mediator, our Savior, is faithful over your house as a son. We are that house, made up of moms and dads and teenagers and children alike, all forming the covenant community. Help us to hold fast to our confidence in you, no matter what awaits us this week and even in the weeks to come. And then our boasting will be not in the strength of the legs of men, but in you alone. We pray in our Savior's strong name. Amen. Christian, what is it that you believe from the Nicene Creed? We believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father, through whom all things were made, who for us and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary and was made man and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried, and the third day he rose again according to the scriptures, and ascended into heaven, and is seated at the right hand of the Father. And he shall come again with glory to judge both the living and the dead, whose kingdom shall have no end. And we believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who spoke by the prophets. And we believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and we look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Remain standing and turn in your hymnals to hymn number 267.
There are many things that should come to our mind as we think about the Lord's Supper as we celebrate the Supper. But the two things I'd like to draw your attention to the fact that when we think about the Lord's Supper reminds us how weak our faith is and how generous the Lord is to us at the same time. Our weakness, His provisions. If you keep that in mind, the Lord's Supper will be a blessing to you. Excuse me. You and I know that it's far too easy to live by sight and not by faith, and that's our weakness. We live by sight. We can see and touch and feel here. And so the Lord condescends to us and He gives us something that appeals to our senses to remind us of His covenant promises. He gives to us the bread and the wine, something that we can see and taste. He condescends to our weakness. That's what this represents for us, for we are weak. And so just as real as this bread and wine to our sight and taste, so also what the bread and the cup symbolize for you and me, for his covenant people. They symbolize all of his covenant promises, every single one of them, which are fulfilled and found in Christ alone. The Christ is the true bread who has come down from heaven. The bread symbolizes the very body of Christ given for us. The bread remains bread. But just as real as the bread is, so is Christ and all of his covenant promises that he gives to us. The wine that we are about to partake symbolizes his blood which was poured out for our sins. They're given to us freely. The wine remains wine. But just as real as the wine is, so is Christ and all of his covenant promises that he makes to us. Forgiveness of sins, joy and peace, the fruit of the Spirit that he gives to us, even in the midst of hardship and trial. And so as we participate in eating the bread and drinking the cup, the Holy Spirit refreshes us and reminds us that we belong to our covenant-making and our covenant-keeping God. And this, in turn, will strengthen our faith, our weakness. We need to be strengthened, be reminded of His promises, that the Lord goes before you, that He walks with you, and He promises to never leave or abandon you. I will be yours and your children's God, and you will be my people. To remind you that Christ the Mediator laid down His life so that he might forgive us of our sins. The substitutionary atonement is front and center in this supper. He died in our place. The righteous God, the righteous Father, looks upon his Son and pardons us because of what his Son willingly and obediently did under his Father's will. He reminds you that Christ the Mediator is coming again that you will no longer need this bread and this cup to remind you and strengthen you of the promises in Christ because at that time you will see Christ face to face. You will be in his presence 
for all eternity. This supper reminds us that there is a day that is coming when we will no longer need this because our faith will be perfected and our weakness will be gone completely. But until that day comes, the Lord gives to us his promises, his covenant promises which are fulfilled in Christ as they are symbolized by this bread and this cup. Behold the covenant promises of the Lord. These are the gifts of God for the people of God. This table is for those of you who belong to Christ. That is to say you are a member of this church or some other gospel preaching church, not necessarily this church, but some other church where you are hold your membership that preaches the gospel of Jesus Christ. You are welcome to come and partake of this supper. If you have never embraced Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you have never become a member of some church that preaches the gospel, let me urge you, in fact, let me warn you to stay away from taking these elements. Do not take them. Instead, think about and consider Christ and turning to Him in this hour and in this day. Turn to Him. If you are children here and you find yourself longing to celebrate the Lord's Supper, not because everyone else is doing it and you're not, but because you deeply desire to have that intimate fellowship with Christ, talk to your mom and dad. Tell your mom and dad what's happening in your heart. And then together you can come and meet with the elders and tell them what God is doing in your hearts. This is a table of grace. It's a table of mercy that the Lord uses to feed us and to encourage us in our faith. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is indeed right and good and a joyful thing, O Lord, as we come before you to celebrate this supper. We come not on our own merits, not because of anything we have done not because of our great positive thinking or the strength of the legs of men. We come to you as broken people and in need of a Savior. And so come and meet with us this morning. And together we say, Amen. Amen. Here now the words of institution as they are given to us by the Lord Jesus himself and through the Apostle Paul. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread... And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. After supper, our Savior took the cup and said, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death. Until he comes again. Let's pray. Our gracious Savior, we pray that through your Holy Spirit now you might take these common elements and use them for their spiritually intended use to strengthen us in our weakened faith, to remind us that we are not alone, nor do we walk alone, but that you are with us and you walk with us day in and day out, no matter what battle in life we are facing. Remind us, O Lord, that Christ is all we need. If we have Him, we have everything that we need. Put joy in our hearts. May we be a thankful people 
For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
Let us uh, stand as we sing one final hymn, hymn number 358, or, oh, I'm sorry, we need to take the Lord's Supper. (laughs) The body of the Lord given for you, do this in remembrance of me. John the Baptist said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The cup of the Lord given for you. Drink all of it. Let's pray together. Lord, we pray that as we have now dined with you at your table, that you would instill in us an ever-increasing desire to live faithful and obedient to your word. That we would be faithful stewards and followers of Christ in all that we say and do from this day and the day forward and in the weeks ahead. Help us to live out our covenant promises. Renew us. Strengthen us. For we ask in Christ's name. Amen. Now I believe we will sing the last hymn. It's amazing when you kind of change things up a little bit, it kind of plays with my mind a little bit. So imagine forgetting to take together. Oh, how, 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 how patient the Lord is with us. Let's, let's stand together and let's sing this glorious, glorious, wonderful hymn. Hymn number 358.
as this hymn really is, it pales to the singing and the sounds that we will have in heaven with the Lord, singing with the myriad of angels his praise for all eternity. But until that time comes, to him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy, to the only God our Savior, to whom be glory and majesty both now and and forevermore. Amen. seated and a good morning to you and uh, I don't know about the rest of you that's always that's like the power hymns man you know it makes you whatever the spiritual version of doing a 10,000 push-ups is that's what I want to do right now um, anyway so good morning to you all and uh, a special good morning to Angie I hope you're watching I heard you were almost able to uh, to make it uh, to worship with us but uh, thank you for lending us your husband to lead us in worship this morning, and we look forward to uh, being able to worship with you uh, sometime soon. Um, and on that note, just uh, for as, as a, uh, a plug for something that's around all the time, but maybe you uh, don't take full advantage of, but uh, the Providence Parables has is sort of the the unabridged version of the life together. So uh, these names that we pray every week, the kind of first name basis names and the, the short list, um, just you know, take advantage of Providence Parables. A lot of work goes into that, a lot of reminders. Uh, for instance, I'm sort of a nerd in pattern uh, for, for patterns and statistics. Like, 
who would have thought that in a church this size, we would have three couples whose last names all start with C that have wedding anniversaries on consecutive days. That doesn't seem mathematically probable, but, uh, but to the, the Cassidys and the Collises and the uh, Carters, congratulations, happy anniversary in advance. And um, Anyway, so that is there for you. Um, as far as other uh, announcements, uh, first of all, thank you to everyone who volunteered uh, space per my email earlier this week. I owe some of you replies, but we did. Uh, I love this congregation, man. I love how much that uh, when we put out an all call and say, hey, guys, we really could use some help, uh, probably a third of the congregation said, it won't be easy, but we can make this happen. Or, hey, like, I can, I can try to make this happen. Uh, and that, that just, that affection for each other and that willingness to um, to inconvenience ourselves for for the the needs of others is beautiful and is uh, certainly uh, in Christ. So we did find, uh, thank you to all who volunteered, we did find a uh, an excellent situation for free, fairly local, and, um, and very convenient. Um, so uh, if you haven't heard from me, I, I do thank you both for your volunteering and, uh, and you're off the hook. So um, that I think is probably good, good news or welcome news to, uh, to some of you. Um, we do have um, Christian education today. Uh, Elder Kelly will be leading again on uh, Gentle and Lowly. And in the absence of, uh, of Pastor Wilson, who normally leads the um, teen class or the, the older um, young adults, I guess, class, um, you'll be just joining with the adult class, but it's very approachable, and uh, we hope to see you there. And... That might be the all that I have. Is there? Oh no, it's not the all that I have. I have one more thing. Um, so, a, both for your prayers and for your consideration, um, it seems like an opportunity. As you know, we've been um, other than during the uh, the COVID. Uh, Blockout. Um, we've been doing uh, ministry at the Oakland County Jail. Um, uh, the men's uh, at least have for uh, I don't know, pretty much since I since I started going here for well over a decade. So it appears that we may have an opportunity to, uh, as opposed to doing one Friday a month, um, to do two Fridays a month. And um, that's both a, a blessing, but it's also a little bit scary because we only currently have, there are basically four of us who are currently involved. Um, so myself and Pastor Wilson and then Adam Estella and Terry Benjamin are still involved in that. And uh, we've been pretty good at covering once, once a month. Um, and uh, I'm not sure if we're going to be able to do uh, twice a month, but if you would uplift that in prayer, we certainly would like to be able to do that. And um, also, if you might be interested in joining that ministry, um, if you could let me know, there's a lot of hoops you have to jump through as far as like the jail itself. They don't just let random people off the street come in and wander around. But it is, I will say from personal experience, I was there uh, two days ago, two nights ago, and um, it is just... It is a wonderfully edifying ministry to be a part of, to be uh, with people who are uh, incarcerated and are um, just made so aware of maybe things, not, you know, things they need to change in life often kind of draws out that need for spiritual change and uh, that that kind of desperation. Um, so anyway, if you are a, a guy and you might be interested in joining that, um, that would be uh, a blessing. And you can just email me or talk to me and I'll, I'll uh, see what we can do if we can start you down that path. Um, all right, now I think I am done, but Elder Kelly is not. Which has a 
Uh, for those uh, streaming with us, uh, the Kellys expressed gratitude for our, our prayers and um, and a uh, request for ongoing prayers. Still, more follow up procedures for Tammy. And um, but thank you for your your prayers thus far. Does anybody else have anything, Mr. Collins? Okay, um, Julie Cowles' uh, lung surgery, which was supposed to be yesterday, has been postponed till this Friday, and um, so continued prayers are requested for um, her surgery and recovery therefrom. Amy. Very good. So Friday evening prayer this week is at the home of uh, Amy Lauren, and um, her address was in the email earlier this week, but if you didn't get it or deleted it or lost it, you can talk to her um, to get her address and join, uh, join us for that. Anyone else? All right. Well, with a final thank you for, to uh, Pastor Gonzalez for being with us this morning, uh, I will dismiss you, and we will reconvene for Christian Ed in uh, 15 minutes or so.